eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Yo, it is another edition of the High Hopes Podcast, a Trade deadline special edition. I'm your host, James Seltzer. With me, still reeling from the fact that Kevin Gaussman is a brave, but I think he'll get over it. The one, the only, Mr. Jack Fritz. Fritzy, what's up, buddy? I will get over it. Um, I will be fine. Uh, I just thought that, you know, it would have been a nice a nice little buy-low candidate and a nice little buy-low Kevin Gaussman, all the talent in the world. Uh, and I hope he fails miserably in Atlanta. <laughs> I think we all do now. We are all uh, Kevin Gaussman haters now. But yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm sure. with you. We talked about that last show, and I did think that was a nice buy low. I still haven't seen what the Braves game up. The Braves have a very stacked farm system, so hopefully they had to give up something good. But let's focus on what matters. We'll get into some of the other deals a little bit later in the show. Is uh, Jack, just a, a wild last week. I don't remember a year in recent memory with as many moves over the week leading up and, and on the deadline day as every single team in baseball made a deadline deal of one sort or another over the last week, which is insane to think about. But for us, let's focus on what matters first. The Phillies, obviously, uh, Estribal Cabrera comes to town. We talked about that a little bit, but today, Klentak makes a couple more moves. Aaron Loop, the left-hander, the uh, less exciting of the moves, but still a nice move. We'll get to that, but let's start with the headliner, uh, a move we didn't expect, Jack, because we talked a lot about upgrading the infield, which they did with Estribal Cabrera, and we'll give some more thoughts on that. We talked about potentially getting an outfielder, a, a bench guy or a platoon guy, but we did not talk a ton. We mentioned it, but we didn't talk a ton about the possibility of bringing a catcher in here, Jack. And Wilson Ramos, a outstanding bat, for those who don't know, would have been the all-star game starter for the American League this year if he weren't injured, batting 297, 14 homers, and 834 OPS. He's been just awesome for a long time. His issue is health, not hitting. When he is healthy, he is always hit. Um, the issue, again, health, injured right now, should be back in a couple weeks, Fritz. But on a macro scale, it looks like uh, Jonathan Mayo reporting that the player to be named later, the Phillies will be giving up not a top 30 player in their system, which is crazy to think about. What is your take on Wilson Ramos coming to Philadelphia? I'm excited. I have liked Wilson Ramos for a while. Uh, I always thought his bat was just sweet. Like I thought it was just a really clean stroke that that it, it plays well no matter how old you get. Like I think I think Wilson Ramos is going to rake for a while. Uh, I brought him up like two years ago as an idea that I thought the Phillies sh- should explore. Um, and I'm, I'm I'm ecstatic he's here now. Uh, it means no more Andrew Knapp, which I understand. Like he was 
hitting better recently, but listen, Andrew Knapp is is what he is at this point, and he's Wilson a backup Ramos, catcher. Right, and Wilson will bring you uh, an upgrade defensively, uh, not as great of an arm as, as Alfaro, but the point is that he knows how to play. He's been in, in big spots before, obviously never got past the first round. Uh, those Washington Nationals sure love that. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm happy. I'm, I'm really happy. I've liked Wilson Ramos for a while. And, honestly, I wouldn't hate if they if they signed him after the season to, like, a two-year a two year deal. I think Alfaro is obviously the, the catcher of the future, but – um, I think Ramos can can help bridge the gap to where it's not a complete uh, black hole back there. And I think Ramos is going to be a good player. I think he's going to age well. Um, he'll probably get banged up if you sign into a long or a, a, a two year deal. So that's where Alfaro can take off. And then really, if you sign him to a deal, and Alfaro clearly out, out, outplays him, then it's just a win win for both sides. I, I don't. I wouldn't just move on from Wilson Ramos quickly as offseason because I think he's a top five catcher in the game. Yeah, from a bat perspective, there's no question he is. Again, you look at some of his seasons. Again, if he's not hurt, he always hits. 2016, the season that stands out the most in 131 games, batted 307 with 22 home runs in 131 games. I mean, the man can hit. And for what it's worth, he's injured this year. And again, you look at the injuries, it is a bit frustrating because never played more than that 131 games that season. He played 113 in 2011, 128 in 2015. And then after that, a lot of 75, 88 type seasons. But look, catcher is a position where, you know, especially when they age, you're, you're prone to injury. It's just a little bit tougher position, obviously. Yep. But but on top of that, some of these injuries have been freak injuries as well. The injury that derailed that 2016 season was a broken leg that was out of nowhere. So um, I feel really good about bringing Wilson Ramos in here, especially when you talk about the fact that he didn't give up a top 30 prospect. You're getting yeah. a all-star caliber catcher. And like you said, look, he is not, um, you know, Yadi Molina behind the plate defensively. He's not a, a star defensive catcher or anything. And, and Jorge certainly has a better arm than him. But Wilson Ramos is a stable defensive catcher. He's someone who's going to come in here with a ton of experience handling staffs, a ton of experience calling games, and he's going to be sound back there. He might not be the best defender on the planet, but he's going to make plays. We're not going to see the same type of pass ball issues we've seen from these two guys. And again, more than serviceable enough from a defensive end. And again, the bat plays big time at that position. Uh, Let's kind of look at how it it kind of spans out here. You know, Knapp, obviously the minors. Ramos, when he comes back, everyday catcher for this team. I mean, how big a difference do you think that makes for the lineup, Jack? Well, I, th- I think it, anytime you can add a guy that's batting between 280 and, and 300 with uh, with legitimate pop to all fields, I think it just changes everything. He has good at bats, uh, professional hitter. Um, and, and it just makes your lineup deeper, and it puts Alfaro on the bench. And I think Alfaro is good, but he also has a, a strikeout rate north of 40%. It's insane. And, 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 Wilson Ramos just won't do that. So from that standpoint, it deepens the lineup. And really, I I, I think Klentak did did really good here in the fact that they missed out on the bats. They missed out on the a big like right field bat. They missed out on Adam Jones. Andrew McCutcheon I had no interest in. But I think And he for got what cr- it's worth, both those guys didn't ultimately get moved. Jones using his ten and five rights not to go anywhere and, and McCutcheon the, the Giants just backing off a trade there. Yeah, and I think if you're going to miss out on those guys, getting a bat like Wilson Ramos for almost nothing, I think is is really a, a, a creative and smart 
way to go about the deadline. And I'm impressed that Clemson went this route. Um, I think it makes him better from day one. Um, I, I, I'm very happy. And it, it makes the lineup deeper. Um, if you're going to miss out on the bats, this is, this is a good way to do it. Yeah, I think you bring up a great point, too, that when you look at a lot of the guys who were ultimately moved, sadly, other than, you know, the Machado thing, None of the positions really line up that well. It's a lot of second basemen who got moved. The Brian Dozers of the world, Jonathan Scope, it looks like might go to the Brewers in a last-second trade that that has still not been finalized. But, you know, sometimes they get the trade in before the deadline and it leaks out after. But um, the positions didn't line up as well as you would hope, I thought. I, I agree. I think it was very clever of Klentak to look around the diamond. And and first of all, let's not underrate bringing in Estrubal Cabrera from an offensive perspective. Uh, whatever you want to say about the past, the dude is a professional hitter and he's having a great, great season. So from a, a guy who can hit from both sides of the plate, come in and play three positions in the infield, albeit not that well, but from an offensive perspective, absolutely a uh, a bonus for them in terms of you know getting Kingery on the bench a little bit more. Having a guy you can bring in off the bench, you feel better about all that type of stuff. But I think to look around the diamond and say, all right, you know what, Nick Williams is playing really well. And yep. I feel all right with him in right field. Catcher has been much a much bigger offensive hole than we have given it credit for. You know, we've talked a lot about a lot of the other struggles around the field. And I think maybe it's because Alfaro does flash, you know, both on both sides of the ball. We see that rare athleticism. We see the arm. And then, of course, the absurd power that he displays that you kind of don't pay attention to how much he has struggled from a consistency perspective, especially, like you said, putting the ball in play. So I'm with you, Jack. I think from a, a macro perspective, looking at going into this trade deadline and missing out on some of the bigger names, Clentac, I thought, did a really nice job of filling in at the margins, uh, of finding what this team needed, finding players to fit those holes without giving up anything at all that that puts any sort of you know, hurt on your future, essentially. Jack, I think Clintac, again, I, I think it's not sexy, and I know there are people out there like Turtle. I'm talking to you, Turtle. People out there who are, oh, they didn't get a star. They should have gone for Harper. They should have got Machado. Chill out, all right? That was not the position this team was in. They are building for now and for a long, fruitful future. And again, Manny Machado, Bryce Harper, those guys are going to be real legitimate options to come here in the offseason, Jack. I think that Klentak, given the circumstances, did a really nice job on the offensive side of this team. Yeah, I think he found ways to make this roster deeper and better without uh, without hurting the playing time of the young players that are, are, are supposed to be the future of this team and supposed to be the 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 pieces of the next core that's going to help us win a World Series. Uh, I think if you bring in Wilson Ramos, sure, it's going to send on Andrew Knapp, uh, but I think it's going to make Jorge Alfaro better. One, because I think it's going to push him and say, hey, you got, you, got, you got some competition here, buddy. Like, we think you're really good, but... Uh, I think we look at if we look at Jorge Alfaro's counting stats, it paints a much more rosy picture than if you look at the underlying offensive stats. And like he has been mostly brutal at the plate, and for the obviously his stats are like okay, uh, but I, he he's been pretty bad. But bringing in Ramos is gonna is gonna push him to another level. And I just think from a veteran catcher standpoint, hopefully he can teach uh, Alfaro some of the ways of the ways of the craft. But like a Struble Cabrera is he's raking this year. I know the Phillies don't really care about defense, um, but I think it builds them a roster that they were trying to build uh, when they broke camp. Guys that can play all over the field and and are not locked into a certain position. Um, and, and with Kingery's struggles, 
getting a guy like a Struble is just going to make this lineup better. Finally, you can kind of look out on the lineup and you can say, all right, here's a tough out. Here's all these switch hitters, so it's hard to match them up late in games. Um, it's fun, and I, 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 I'm just happy that they didn't, they didn't suppress the young talent this deadline. Because for as much as we want this team to go for the division and and go for a, a playoff run and go get the stars, whatever, they're still in the the developmental and and they're still in the the phase of is this guy going to be a keeper for us for us like kingery is still in the evaluative stave stage alfaro is and, and to and to just put those guys on the bench for the rest of the season and, and not let them try to figure it out i think is a total mistake uh cuz i think we're, they're still in that stage not, neither one of these moves is going to hurt that at all and i i'm glad that they went that route i think it's a smart route and again they gave up absolutely nothing for these guys i agree with you to a point on that i know we kind of argued about the the developmental thing versus going for it now. And I think we're both in agreement that as much as we want them to win the World Series this year, that would be amazing, obviously. But we were never planning on this being the year, and we have, have both had our eyes on the future as well as the now. Having said that, I actually believe at this point that for Scott Kingery in particular, I actually think that he might be served by going to the minors for a little bit. He's at the point where he is so lost from an offensive perspective and so overmatched at the major league level that I actually think it's one of those situations where sending him down and getting him some AAA confidence, going to bat against those guys that he know he can have success with and can start to hit, hit some balls and put them in play and, and have some success, I actually think could do wonders for his confidence. So I agree with you on a macro scale on the developmental point you made, but I think that Kingery in particular, Jack, I think he needs some time in the minors. I really do. I don't think that... I think we've seen enough right now at this point in his major league development right now where I don't think major league at-bats are helping him as much as they should be because he has lost all of his confidence in the batter's box. Yeah, I don't hate the idea. I don't hate the idea of setting him down for a little bit and let him get his confidence back and then hopefully bring him back up for the for the playoff run. Yes. I think that's perf- perfectly fine. I think that's perfectly fine. Um, but... The fact I, I'm just glad that from a macro standpoint that they didn't just just put him on the bench and we're gonna just ride up all these veterans on rental deals and and, and all that stuff basically. I, I, and I a hundred percent agree with you. Again, I think you made a great point about kind of let's not underrate the Estrubel move as he is someone who really can come in here. A like you said is having an outstanding season. You know when you look at all his numbers across the board, he's having. Other than Reese Hoskins, he's having as good a season as any Philadelphia Philly, legitimately, especially when you take the position he plays into account from an offensive perspective. Um, And again, the fact that he's a switch hitter, it's just another little thing that Kapler has to work with. I also like the moves of bringing in Ramos and Cabrera, both for, for two perspectives that you hinted at. One, obviously, I think the veteran leadership thing, it matters. Look, we've talked a lot about that, about Arietta and what he's kind of meant to the younger pitchers. And even if he hasn't had the same success on the hill that we have hoped for, he has still been beneficial from that perspective. I think both the Struble Cabrera and Wilson Ramos can be those type of guys. You know, like you said, Ramos hasn't played a ton of playoff baseball, but he's played playoff baseball. Estrubo Cabrera's played playoff baseball. These guys have been in big games before. And on top of that, there are two guys who you alluded to it before when you talk about the 40% strikeout rate with Alfaro. You talk about Scott Kingery seemingly striking out practically every time he's up the plate. These are two guys who are going to put the ball in play for you. These are two guys who are going to 
give you opportunities for success. It's funny, Jack, because you look at this team from a defensive perspective, and if I were going up against the Phillies, I would be telling my hitters, just put the ball in play. You know, we want to, let's not focus on home runs against the Phillies. Let's focus on putting the ball in play because they struggle from a defensive perspective so much. Um, Whereas I think this Phillies team sometimes needs to do a little bit more of that, Jack. Yeah, and I think if you wanted to make a, if you wanted to be serious about making a run this year at a division, I think these were moves that you, you you had to make because putting out Kingery a night in and night out uh, just wasn't getting the job done. It wasn't making your team better. I think he's improved defensively a lot. A ton. Uh, I'll give. Uh, he has improved a lot, Jack. I, I, but, I, we both talked about it. We were like, he's not a shortstop, and now he might not be a good shortstop, but he's a passable shortstop. Again, he's. I mean, but then he's a zero at the plate, so it doesn't even make up for it. Agreed. Uh, and then Alfaro, for the most part, has been uh, a zero besides some big home runs. Um, I think. It, I think that if they were serious about wanting to go for the division this year, and they're serious about, uh, you know, trying to stay in this run, which they should be, because this is a team that has uh, outperformed their expectations, and they deserve a legit chance to 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 make a run at this thing. And by going and getting Wilson Ramos, as Dribble Cabrera, and even Aaron Loop to an extent. Uh, it, it made this lineup deeper, took the pressure off some of the young kids, and they brought in veterans here that know, I, I think that they know how to win. And I, that sounds so like old school and cliche. Yes, I love it. It does, it does. Uh, but I, I, I do think there is some value in, in those kind of things. And I think, sure, the young guys are going to get their bats down the stretch here and see what they can do. But I just think from a, from a, from a, phys- a, a psychological standpoint, they don't have to be like, "Oh my gosh, I got to do this today, do that to, to help this team win." Let it, let let Wilson Ramos and Asdrubal kind of take the pressure off. And man, like Asdrubal last night was was inches away from the Phillies winning that game uh, uh, against the Red Sox, uh, and it, and it would it would have proved his value already. So and um, you know he scored their only run of the game, had a couple hits. He was. He was, he he mattered in that game and in the 11th inning ended up striking out but had a really good at bat there almost kind of working back from a 1-2 count got it to a full count fouled some balls off just wasn't able to capitalize but yeah Jack I, yeah, think, I, think, I think you make a great point there They're going to look more and more like a professional baseball team like I've been watching this team all year and I think it's great that they're back but like sometimes I do ask myself how is this team in first place Yes and- especially with the defensive stuff we were just talking about it's unbelievable how many miscues they make on a nightly basis and this team's still team is still 10 games above 500 Yeah and and bringing in these two guys I think helps sure that up both from an offensive like this is what we're supposed to do, and from a defensive standpoint. So uh, I think it's going to look a lot more aesthetically pleasing at some point. Totally agree. That, that, that's a point I was making with Ramos earlier is he might not be one of those catchers who flashes on the defensive metrics or this or that, but he's going to be sound back there. He's going to call a good game. He's going to make the plays you expect him to make back there. And then from an offensive perspective, he's going to add so much more it's just really exciting. It really does make them more potent. It makes them more of a, like you said, a full team. It really fortified the areas of weakness. And I, I couldn't agree more with your point that really Clentac, I felt like he owed it to this team and the guys on this team right now and, and Kapler and the coaching staff to help them out with those types of moves because he was doing it in a way where, again, not sacrificing the future for the now, but still putting some sort of priority on making this team better for the now. A team, again, that is 10 games above 500 in first place at the moment. So a team that has still had success, but he made them better without giving up a lot. You mentioned the name. We haven't, the the one uh, 
acquisition we haven't gotten into yet. They bring in a loogie. They bring in Aaron Loop. Aaron Loop, your your classic left-handed reliever. You look at the numbers. He is light years better against left-handed hitters than right-handed hitters. A career 618 OPS allowed to lefties. So certainly an effective guy from, from the left side in terms of bringing him in to face lefties. What is your take, pitching guru Jack Fritz, on Aaron Loop? Uh, well, it's weird. He, he's been like worse against lefties this year in his career than, than in previous years. Yeah, in his a career. 690 OPS against lefties this year. Yeah. 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 But, uh, I like Aaron loop and I've liked him for a couple of years. I think he's a, a tough guy to, to hit because he, he has that classic drop down lefty kind of reliever thing. Uh, I think his velocity is down a few, uh, ticks from the last couple of years. Maybe that's why, um, his, his, his numbers have gone up a little bit, but I like Aaron loop and I think he's going to, he, him and Austin Davis, are going to be a, a solid little lefty punch um, at the back of a bullpen. Loop's done it before. Um, doesn't have great interleague stats. I don't think he, he's, he hasn't really pitched against many National League teams. I was trying to see if there was any correlation uh, to getting out of the AL East. But theoretically, getting him, getting him out of the AL East w- will help him. Um, there are some loaded lefties in the AL. But um, coming down the stretch here in the National League, you're going to need to get lefties out because they're going to have to go up against Freddie Freeman. Uh, they're going to have to go against Cody Bellinger. They're going to have to go Max Muncy, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Harper. If the Nationals get back into this thing, uh, there's a there's a lot of good lefties. Christian Yelich. There's so many good left-handed right. bats in this race. Right. So so you had to get a guy that you can trust in those big moments. And I think Austin Davis has done a nice job uh, recently from a left-handed pitcher standpoint, but just loop uh, another weapon if Austin Davis does struggle down the stretch here. Uh, again, just loaded uh, offensive bats on the left side of the plate. So getting a guy like loop, uh, while not being the most sexy lefty reliever like Will Smith would have been, um, uh, loop didn't cost anything and uh, will help. Yeah, literally didn't cause. I've never even heard of the guy they traded. For yeah, he's Aaron a AAA. He's a AAA pitcher. That's he's just a, a he's an arm. org guy. He's a depth arm. That's exactly right. And uh, yeah, I'm with you. Look, a Will Smith type guy. Even Jake Diekman, a better left-hander than Aaron Loop. But yeah, uh, I still I think the Loop move is is nice. It's fine. It addresses if you had to look at the bullpen and say one specific thing. Obviously, we talked about getting a guy who could pitch in the ninth and stuff like that. But I think if you just had to have one thing, it's give me a guy who can get a lefty out in a big spot because Tommy Hunter has been used a ton there. And don't get me wrong, Tommy Hunter starting to look a little bit better than before. We're starting to feel all right with Tommy Hunter. But, um, you know, other than that, like you said, Adam Morgan's been awful in those spots this year for the most part. But Austin Davis has been good. But Austin Davis, one of those lefties you can really throw in against righties and lefties, certainly better against lefties, but not like Aaron Loop, like you talked about. He's Loop the loogie. I mean, he really is. He's one of those guys who really situationally is made to face left-handed hitters, and that's a guy the Phillies didn't have prior. So I think it certainly makes them better. Jack, before we move on and kind of look at how uh, some of the other leagues uh, moves around the league, and especially in the National League and how it influences the Phillies, just your overall kind of feel of the trade deadline of this Phillies team and and how it sets them up moving forward i was happy with it i i liked that they didn't give up much and got back good players that'll help now and again won't won't uh put the young guys on the bench so they can't get any experience Uh, i thought it was smart from that standpoint they're kind of playing the the let's go for the division and let's also keep developing these young guys and find out who can stick and who cannot stick but also i was just thinking about like the lineup uh it's gonna adding ramos and and as 
behind Santana and Franco or however that's going to work. It's going to force pitchers to hopefully start pitching to Carlos Santana. Uh, I know he loves to work a walk, but maybe they become more aggressive with him because they have a Ramos behind him. They have a Michael Franco behind him. They have an Estrubal Cabrera behind him. Uh, or even if you want to move down one, maybe they, instead of having Alfaro behind Franco or Nat behind Franco or Kingery behind Franco, they're going to give more pitches to Franco because they know that Wilson Ramos is behind him or Estrubal Cabrera is behind him. So I think from a from a lineup standpoint, they they got they didn't get rid of but they're they're not going to be playing two guys who are hurting the lineup on most nights uh and just uh, deep in the lineup uh in a, in a good way yeah i feel very similarly and again i think you're just going to get professional at bats from these guys you're going to get in big spots in september games i'm going to feel a lot better with wilson ramos coming to the plate than i would with andrew knapp or jorge alfaro same thing with the Struble Cabrera coming to the plate than I would with Scott Kingery or even J.P. Crawford when he comes back or whatever. So um, I feel pretty good about it. And, and I feel like Klentak did a nice job, again, of balancing the now versus the future and finding a way to help this team on the margins, fortify them in some spots for a run, but also really keeping intact what he and many believe to be the future for this team. Really quickly before we move on, we saw a lot of starting pitchers go today. Uh, more than expected, Gaussman gets traded, Archer gets traded. We'll talk about some of that stuff, but are you at all disappointed? I know, and I, and I really liked your your thought on why the Phillies could or should trade for a starter with the potential innings we're going to get to with some of these young guys who've never come close to those types of innings before. Zach Eflin already at his major league high in terms of innings in a season. Um, are you at all nervous, worried, or whatever that they didn't add a starting pitcher? Uh, a little bit. I, I would have liked to see them go get a starting pitcher, but also at the same time, there really wasn't one out there that wasn't going to cost a ton. Like Archer would have been fun, but they, they also got a, a lot, man. They give up a lot for Chris Archer. I was not prepared to offer what they offered for Chris Archer. So I'm, I'm good from that standpoint. And also, like I, I, I have faith in some of the guys that they've brought up. I know Eniel De Los Santos has gotten hit around a little bit down in AAA uh, since getting set down. Um, I think Ranger Suarez is going to be really good. I was impressed with how he pitched in Cincinnati. Uh, I know he let up a couple of runs. But the fact that he was uh, spotting his fastball on both sides of the plate pretty easily. Uh, sometimes, obviously, it leaked down the middle of the plate, and that hurt him. But uh, I, there were signs of him being able to reach both sides of the plate, which I really liked. Um, I, I, if they, I think they have an ability to stretch out these guys, so where they're not, where their arms aren't being killed. Like they can stretch them out. They can bring up Suarez. They can bring up a, uh, De Los Santos or Irvin, and they don't have to. Maybe you know, maybe they can give a guy five days rest and and kind of stretch these guys out and manage it that way. That's probably what they're going to have to do because they don't they didn't go and add another guy to the to the to the mix here. So. They'll, they'll, they'll be smart about it. They'll figure out a way to stretch these guys out to where they're not killing themselves. Now, however, if like one of these guys gets hurt, that's a different story. They, they have to, to, to hope that no one gets hurt, but uh, they'll be fine. I, I would have liked to go get a, a starting pitcher, but also the, the market wasn't great, and what the Pirates gave up was pretty ridiculous. Yeah, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glass now, and apparently another player to be named later who is quote-unquote of value so that is a quite the haul. Austin Meadows will probably yeah. step in and start immediately in Tampa. Tampa also trading for Tommy Pham. They made some weird moves today, but we'll, we'll get into all that in a sec. Um, to your pitch, uh, starting pitcher's point, I agree with you, but I also will say that the August 31st deadline has become a lot more viable 
over the last five years or so. You see a lot more trades in August. Of course, the non-waivers deadline is passed, as we've been talking about, but the waivers trade deadline does go to August 31st, and with the new luxury tax damages, how punitive they are, you do see a lot more guys slide through waivers than you used to. So theoretically, if there is an injury within the next month, they could theoretically go out and still add somebody, especially if a team like the Nationals falls out of it. I could see them. I could see a guy um, like Gio potentially getting through waivers. I know he's paid a little high for what what I would like to pay him, or or guys like that. I think there are guys who could clear through waivers who could potentially add a team come um, that time. But again, I think right now you, what you see is what you you have to plan on getting and. I think that, Jack, that is going to be one of the storylines we're discussing down the stretch is those starting pitchers and those inning limits. And I think you you have a great built-in type of answer for that with Suarez, with De Los Santos, with Irvin, and whoever else you can bring up to get a spot. And who knows? Maybe Jared Eichoff will actually throw a pitch this season, though I'm not right. I'm not counting on that one, Jack. I uh, I was actually in a little Jared Eichoff uh, rabbit hole the other night on YouTube. And, like, man, he was really good in 2015. He was really good. I was I was really high on him. I really was. I it was it was a real or in 2016 it was. Um it was really it was really disappointing last season when the injuries and all that but he was someone who had borderline elite control with with enough stuff for that to matter. He he could still be Ross Stripling. Let's not yes, give up on him yet. That's a really good comp, man. That's a really good comp, especially if he can work with some spin rate type stuff and utilize some of those new analytics to work on stuff. I think that's a really interesting comp. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not. I'm not saying he is. Right. But. Yeah. Right now, he hasn't thrown a pitch yet this season, and with the last I heard, he's still getting tingling in his fingers or whatever. So yeah, not great. Not Certainly great. Not great. Bob, not great. Um, all right, Jack. Uh, wild deadline really around the league. As uh, again, every single team in baseball made a trade of some sort. I don't know if that's ever happened before, but um, you look at some of the names that were flying around over the last week. All the infielders we talked about got moved the Mike Moustakas is going to the Brewers the Eddie Escobar to Arizona the Brewers do get scoped that trade turns out as official a lot of names like that Brian Dozier goes to the Dodgers the Dodgers traded for a, a double play combination of Manny Machado and Brian Dozier that helps um and then obviously some some other deals with some non-contenders. Archer going to the Pirates, which I, I think that's as much a move for the future as the now, obviously. But Gaussman to the Braves. The Braves add Brad Brock. They add Darren O'Day. They make some moves as well. How do you feel about the rest of the moves that were made in the National League considering these contending teams? The Dodgers got much better. The Brewers got better. The Diamondbacks got better. These teams at the and the Braves got better. These teams the Phillies are going to be competing with all tooled up a little bit as well. Any particular moves that worry you the most and, and from a macro perspective, are you more scared of any of these teams because of them? Uh, I think that Dodgers scare me um, a lot now because I think Dozier gets out of Minnesota. I think he's I think he's a really good player. Hasn't had a great year, but they tried to get him two years ago. They finally brought him in now. So good job by them. And Second half Dozier, baby. Second half right, Dozier. Right, right. Um, Machado obviously is ridiculous. So they're they're obviously going all in. Uh, that's that's their plan. The the Brewers they crack me up because I think I think Travis Shaw is playing shortstop for them now. Because he might, or him or John John Scope second baseman Jonathan Scope might be your shortstop with, with Shaw at second base. I don't know what they're doing. From it, kind of Philly esque, right? With the not caring about defense, like worse, almost. But their like, outfield defense is among the best in baseball with Yelich and Kane out there. So maybe that makes up for it. 
Yeah, uh, but they didn't add a starter. They didn't go get Matt Harvey. Uh, I don't know. The Brewers are fine. We'll see what they do. I agree. Uh, uh, it's a good point in the sense that coming out of the trade deadline, the Brewers' starting rotation is still made up of guys like Julius Schatzin and Freddie Peralta and a lot of guys you can't count on in big game. Uh, I think the you know the break like here's the thing no one in the National League outside of the Dodgers I think really separated themselves I think I think that the Diamondbacks made some moves but I still don't think they're that they're that great I wouldn't be terrified of them in a five game series I think they're a good team I don't think they're a great team agree uh, um but yeah so I I don't know like the Braves I think made moves for now and in the future the Phillies made moves to where they didn't. Uh, suppress their young talent, and they're they're trying to to to, to still win now. Um, and I think the Dodgers separated themselves. The the Cubs, yeah, they didn't really do much. They brought in a bunch of crappy pitchers that hopefully they can figure out because for some reason they just compl- they continue to neglect pitchers um, out in Chicago. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't think I don't think anyone really separated themselves besides maybe the Dodgers. Yeah, I think the Dodgers did. And again, look, it's one of those things where the Dodgers went out and got Machado, then came in here and lost two or three. So you can't overrate the addition of one or two players, but when you look at that team and how it was already constituted, constructed, the addition of Brian Dozier and Manny Machado in the middle is formidable, and, and that makes them a better team. I don't think there's any question about that, and, and I agree with you that coming out of the trade deadline, looking at the National League landscape as it is right now, I think the, the Dodgers have to be the favorite. I, I think they are, in my mind, no doubt, the favorite, especially if Kershaw can continue to stay healthy and get back to... Kershawian levels of production. But I agree with you that outside of that, I think it's wide open. I think that some teams made themselves better, but maybe like you said with the Brewers, I think the Brewers certainly made themselves better. I think, you know, when we've argued about Mike Moustakis, but Mike Moustakis and Jonathan Scope make them a better team from an offensive perspective. But like you said, the real issue they had was in the starting rotation and they did nothing to to help that. The Diamondbacks, they get Brad Ziegler, they get Eduardo Escobar. They're better, but not that much better. And they're not that good to begin with comparatively. The Braves, again, you know, going out and getting Gaussman helps. But Gaussman, as we discussed before, he's a buy low for a reason. He hasn't been very yeah, we'll good. See if he, we'll see if he helps. And yeah. Brad Brock's had a bad year, too. Yeah, and Darren O'Day, very situational guy who knows uh, he's hit or miss this season as well. Historically, a, a nice reliever. But Yeah, I'm glad I'm glad they didn't get Archer. I think Archer would have hurt. Archer would have hurt. And I think, I think uh, it was a really interesting move by Pittsburgh. I think they gave up too much, but... We've discussed Archer and his contract before, so I understand it. If you're the Pirates, I think you get a chance to get Archer, and I get it. But um, I think that the main point holds, Jack, that I think as you're fighting for a playoff spot, and that has to be the first fight that you make, and then you could start to worry about going deep into the playoffs. And I think in terms of getting to the playoffs, I don't think any of those other teams really improve themselves enough to, for me to say I'm, I'm worried about what they did. No, no, uh, and obviously the Dodgers problem only happens if you you win the division and maybe face them in the DS or the NLCS. So, hey, listen, the Dodgers are in a different place than the Phillies right now. They just are. They're they're in, they are in a position organizationally to win. speaking. Agree. Yeah. Right. I mean, they haven't won a World Series since 1988. Like, it's been a while, uh, and they, they've pushed all their chips in, and they're going for it this year, and that's perfectly fine. The Phillies are just in a different position. Like, I, I, I don't want people to think that the Phillies aren't doing anything. They obviously did stuff to win now, uh, but they're just not they're not at the point to where they can be trading top-level prospects for, for, for the right now. That's just not where they're at. A year from now, I think it's a different story. I think next year's trade deadline 
is a little bit of a different story because by then you should have your core in place and figure out who's your who's your guy and hopefully by that point they also have Machado or Bryce Harper or both. They could have both of them at that at that point. And next year's trade deadline becomes just even more electric. But um yeah, there's there's the Dodgers are at a different point than the Phillies and so are the Cubs. Um and hopefully next year we are at the same point. Yeah, it no, it's a great look. The Dodgers were in the seventh game of the World Series and could have, maybe should have won it last season. All right, the Dodgers are in a very different place than a team that won 66 games last year and was not even expected to contend this year. It's a great point, Jack, and you have to look at it through that prism because it is what informs these moves. It's why these teams are making these moves. The Dodgers are at a different place organizationally. This is their last gasp. They have to go for it all. The Phillies have a bright, bright future in front of them, and you have to, it's a tough job. To balance that bright future versus having an unexpectedly competitive team now. And, and again, I think Klintak did a, a a brilliant job of navigating that. I really do. I think he did a great job of, of fortifying this team without giving up anything that I'm worried about losing for the future. So I, I couldn't agree with you more there, Jack. And if uh, we're if we're looking for a legit if they were looking for a legit right-handed bat to help out the bench slash the starting lineup. I would much rather have Wilson Ramos than Adam Jones or, great or Andrew McCutcheon. He's a better hitter. He's a better hitter right now. Like I'd say, of course he is. A significantly better hitter than either of those guys. And I know people are Andrew McCutcheon. Andrew McCutcheon is not that good a hitter, guys, anymore. Yeah, what what, He's what not. was up with the what was up with the Andrew McCutcheon would be our savior talk today? I was it's like, outrageous. Are you kidding me? It's Andrew like if you watch this guy play in a while, what's He's going been on? He's terrible this year. Yeah, he's, he's like been, a, he's batting two fifty eight with a seven thirty something OPS. That's bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Done. He's 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 cooked. He's so, cooked. Yeah. So that was, that was weird. I'm with you. It was weird, and that's why when it started happening, I knew it was going to happen like that, and I I just wanted people to be real about what Andrew McCutcheon is, and I think that that's kind of been the issue here, Jack, with the, with a, a large segment of fans, where I think that a lot of people really wanted Clentac to to go nuts here. To go yeah. all in, to to say screw it, we're going for it now, and I well, know we've talked about it a ton, but that's just not the right philosophy for where this organization is. Yeah, and Clentac's talking right now, and he said that uh, Ramos will be out until mid to late August or even September first. So that's that's pretty hefty. That's probably why they got they gave away it's absolutely, absolutely why they got him for as cheap as they got him. Right, right, right. But also, I mean, credit to credit to John Middleton. Uh, John Middleton could have easily been like been like you know what matt no go get bryce harper go get manny machado we're trying to win this thing now but i think he has so much faith in in what clemtack has done and what mcphail has done that he's just like all right this offseason we will start buying everyone um but right now it would not be the smartest thing to start giving away all all of our prospects so i'm glad that middleton didn't go full steinbrenner i still i fully believe that he is steinbrenner of the south but uh i'm glad he didn't go that level of Steinbrenner to where he's like, all right, we're going to not worry about the future or plan for the future and suppress these young guys. Um, I'm glad that Middleton didn't force his hand too much here. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I, I really couldn't. And again, look, we've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm just, I just continue to be impressed with John Middleton as an owner. And until I see something that changes my mind on that, I'm going to continue to be that way. And again, if he had jumped in and forced something and forced them to, give up six though because he wanted Manny or something that would have worried me. It would have worried me for the future, but he didn't. And like your credit to him, credit to Clentac for the restraint they showed in terms of not going all in on a move like that. Same thing with McPhail. 
again, I think um, I, I just think you have to be pretty impressed with how this front office handled it. And I know, again, a lot of people are going to be upset because they wanted something bigger. I can already hear, you know, people on sports radio saying that. But um, I, I, at least here at the High Hopes podcast, we feel very good about how Klintak did what he did and what he did. Um, we do have to call out uh, our, our good friend John Marks, though. Because there Are we was, sure he's still our friend? Or yeah, what? I mean, John. So John said that he would trade Odubel Herrera for a two-month Bryce Harper rental. Is one of the worst takes we've had on this uh, from anyone on this podcast. we got to call him out for that. No way, Johnny. No way. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, it's like I understand you, you hope that, you know, I don't know, two months and you can re-sign this offseason. Like the people, do people just not look at contracts? Do they? That, not that's understand? what I, I mean. It's one of the best contracts in baseball. The right, right. contract. One of the and best it, in baseball. And if you don't think he's a, a a starting caliber center fielder on a World Series team or whatever, like that's that's fine if you have that opinion. I I don't like totally disagree with you. I mean, I, I think he's a really good player, but there is some stuff that that has me concerned from a consistency sure. standpoint. But the fact is, is that you could, like, you could trade him for more value than a two-month rental. Like, a I just, lot I just, more value. That's the like. Point. It doesn't make any sense to me. And also, I mean, if we're gonna get really technical here, like they have, they have Adam Eaton and Victor Robles. If they need a center fielder, like getting a double. Oh yeah, really if you really want to, yeah, if you really want to get technical about it, Victor Robles is their center fielder of the future. Right, that right. is a team that, assuming they don't re-sign Harper, they're gonna be building for that future. There are guys like Juan Soto and Trey Turner, and those guys are going to be the future of the Nats, and Victor Robles is a big part of it. So, yeah, I'm with you. Uh, again, that's that's outside the the whole thing. It's a ridiculous trade concept to begin with. But, no, here at Die Hopes Podcast, we are not trading Odubel Herrera for two months of Bryce Harper. Sign Bryce Harper this offseason. That, that's that's what you do, Jack. Right, right. Add Bryce Harper to Odubel Herrera. Yes. That seems like a, a good idea to me. Uh, you know, I would much, I'd feel much better about a double in center. And, and again, Harper and right. like you said, if you want to sign Harper and trade Odubel, fine, but you can get a lot more for Odubel Herrera than a two month rental Bryce Harper. That is the point. The yeah, Odubel I mean, Herrera at six and a half million dollars a year is an asset, a valuable asset to major league teams. He is 26 years old. He is incredibly talented. He is a dumbass sometimes. We get that. We saw it last night in Boston as, Again, one of those games where you stay up for 13 innings and you're just bumped. But um, we saw it. The base running gaff, Brutal. Misplayed the fly ball. Again, that happens. I didn't want to freak out too much about it. But, you know, it's a play you should have made. He didn't make it. You see that type of consistency issues. You see the boneheaded type stuff sometimes. I get it. That is frustrating. But he is still an outstanding defensive center fielder who has made some amazing plays out there. And obviously is an offensive threat, especially when he's locked in a legit, legit offensive threat for six and a half million a year. You're not going to find other than Jose Ramirez and a couple other guys. You're not going to find more bang for the buck than Odubo Herrera. And obviously his defensive metric numbers have been, been hurt because Hoskins is in left field and Williams is in right field. Like those guys are, are bad defenders and they have consequently drugged down Odubo's defensive metric stats, which stinks, but uh, it's made him look like a worse defensive outfitter than he actually is because he has to cover more ground, especially with Hoskins to his left, who has never really played out there. He doesn't really know what he's doing. Um, so that's been an adjustment for him. It hasn't been a great defensive season for him, but we've seen uh, two-plus years of of stone-cold lockdown defense center field, minus he has trouble judging a line drive off the bat, which, like, everyone does. Like, play baseball for once in your life and try catching a line drive it's a great point. off the bat. It's a great point, Jack. And especially, let's not forget that 
he was an infielder by trade. I know it doesn't matter anymore. Look, he's an outfielder and stuff, but he's still only three years into his outfield playing career. That type of stuff is going to happen. When you've been playing infield your entire life and you get thrown out in the outfield in the majors, it takes time to adjust. I would say that the level of defensive center fielder he is at, considering that, makes it that much more impressive how good he is. And like you said, Jack, I think... Uh, whatever the defensive metrics say, if you watch this guy play every night, you know what he brings you as a center fielder. And also, to the point of last night, misjudging the fly ball, the mistake, he has saved so many runs with plays that other center fielders would not make that I think when these types of things happen, you have to give him a bit of a pass. I understand the boneheaded stuff. That's a different thing. That, I, 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 I get it. But misplaying a ball in center field happens, it, especially a ball that is smoked in Fenway Park in that spot. I get it. It, it happens. But um, all right, Jack, uh, looking ahead here, as like you said, Ramos won't be here for a little while, but Estrubel will still uh, be in there helping out. And of course, Aaron Loop should be here relatively quickly in the next day or so. Moving forward, Red Sox tonight, big game for this team. They could have had one last night. Aaron Nola, man, Aaron Nola. I mean, uh, real quick, I, I think it's unfair, even though it's a trade deadline podcast, to not just say, oh my God, Aaron Nola. He was filthy last night against Boston in a game that we talked a ton about, a stopper, what they needed and all that. Aaron Nola was all that and more. And obviously the only run he gave up, a result of that miscue. So shout out to Nola. But tonight, Arietta on the Hill, we've talked a ton. We, I feel like, Jack, every single time we talk about a big game, against a big team, and Jake Arrieta's on the hill, we say, this is why they brought him here. And sadly, most times it has not worked out, but um, has looked better for the most part the last, you know, two of the last three starts, and the stuff moving a little bit more. Arietta heading into Boston tonight. Big game for this team, Jack. Yeah, uh, Nola was just, Nola was unbelievable last unbelievable. night. Unbelievable. It was probably the best game he's I've seen him pitch, and it was the the thing that impressed me the most was that was as close to a playoff atmosphere in the regular season that you're going to get, and the fact that he was in that environment and he thrived in that environment, like he was touching 96, which was like All Star game stuff, except he was doing it for eight innings. He struck. He had Mookie, who is probably the oh, how MVP. great, how great, real, how how wow in the eighth inning, especially Kapler sticking with him in that spot, and that was awesome. Especially the leadoff double and then gets three straight. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah, no, it, it, uh, really impressive stuff from Nola last night. And, yeah, I mean, Arietta, big moment for him. Uh, I'm very nervous about him against this Red Sox lineup. I'd be lying if I said I wasn't uh, nervous about, about Arietta against the Red Sox. But, hope, I mean, this is, again, this is, this is why they paid him. And he's been in all the big moments. And hopefully tonight against Drew Pomerantz, who stinks. Stinks. He can, he can shine. Yeah, I hope so too. And and again, um, they need it. They need it. Four straight losses, and you know it's one of those spots. We've talked a lot about this team all year long, being resilient. And whenever they really start to get into some sort of a skid of any kind, uh, whether it's in game or over multiple games, they fight back and they bounce back. And tonight would be a big spot for that, Jack. Um, any other final thoughts about this team or kind of the situation in general as we come out of the trade deadline? We'll be back on Sunday like normal. We figure we would wait a little bit and give you a trade deadline pod, maybe even another one this week, depending on how it breaks out before Sunday as well. Uh, probably another one uh, on no. Friday. I mean, we'll, we'll see how it goes uh, around. But how are you feeling about this team right now? 
Uh, I, listen, it's it's been a little bit of a tough skid here. The offense has been inconsistent. They're not, uh, but they've always been inconsistent this whole year. So I'm not really that surprised by it. Um, but I I feel fine. Like skids happen in baseball. Uh, they have the Marlins coming in over the weekend. That's a good time to right the ship. You have the 08 team back in town. You have Shane Victorino getting honored on Friday, Halliday and Gillick on Saturday, and then the reunion on Sunday. It'll be nice to get all those players around um, the new young guys, and maybe that helps a little bit get back in front of the home crowd. I mean, they're they're a really good home team. So it, get, it, honestly, just salvage tonight. Like like win tonight. Um, get the off day tomorrow. Get. The, the the new acquisitions here and then go back home and take care of business against the Marlins, get this team team back on track. I am not going to press the panic button because this team has been resilient all year and they've earned my trust. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. Uh, I feel the same way. I'm excited about a stretch run here in Philadelphia and I expect them to bounce back and I expect them to play hard tonight. And look, last night was a frustrating loss. Anytime you lose in 13 innings is obviously a, an upsetting way to go down, but uh, they were playing a 75 now 75 and 33 Red Sox team and they played their asses off and they played them tough. And they showed, like you said, Jack in probably their highest profile game yet of the season that, or maybe the Sunday night or against the Nats a while back, they showed up, and they played hard. And like you said, Aaron Nola looked like a legit top-tier ace in that game, which is obviously exciting as well. So uh, rate and review the podcast. Do it for Jack. It matters. It really does. It makes him so happy. I I, I tell you every time, but I, I feel like I can't tell you enough how happy it makes Jack Fritz. And also, it helps people find the High Ups podcast, people looking for Phillies talk. They don't have to go somewhere and find people freaking out about Klentak not trading for 10 stars or whatever. Um, we can get some good Phillies talk here. And again, uh, as Jack Fritz always says, the I hope listeners are the best. We truly believe that because you guys rule. So uh, yes. again, rate and review. Uh, Fritzy, it's been a pleasure. Enjoy uh, enjoy tonight with uh, Arietta versus Pomerantz. And it's Drupal Cabrera. Big game tonight. Why not? Big game tonight. So we'll be back later this week and then on Sunday and Monday, and we're just going to keep bringing it. Uh, as many shows as we can pump out uh, heading up to this stretch run and uh, just keep talking Phillies with you because we love it. Jack and I get legit excited to talk to you guys. So the more we can do it, the better. So for Jack Fritz, I'm James Seltzer. Thank you for listening to the Trade Deadline Special Edition of the High Ups Podcast. We'll talk to you guys later. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on the Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data from Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware. Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.